0: Hi, guys, and welcome back to our podcast, Healing the Broken Marriage. I am your host, Alicia, and today you are going to want to share this episode with anyone you know that has dealt with or is dealing with hard situations like trauma, um, because today I have on Dr. Ali Boutros, and for those of you who may not have heard her on our earlier podcast, Dr. Ali has a doctorate in clinical psychology. She's also worked as a mentor, coach, and counselor over the last 12 years. She also hosts a podcast called Tuesday Talks with Dr. Allie, which I would advise you guys to check that out. And one of her newest books out is called Learning How to Love, which I absolutely love as a resource. So Dr. Allie, I just want to thank you for coming back on today. And I know the listener is going to learn so much from you because I always do. So welcome.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I think you are just such an inspiration to people all over who are really wanting to fight for their marriage and and fight for health in their relationships, even that aren't marriage relationships, even people who are looking for healing from betrayal. So I just so uh, love and appreciate everything that you are doing to support everyone out there. Who's gone through these things.
0: Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot, especially coming from you. (laughs) So, um, the last time you were on, I know that, uh, we talked about betrayal and you gave the listeners some invaluable information and strategies for how someone can ultimately heal, move forward into a much healthier version of themselves. And so Brian and I have been laying a foundation through some of our own life experiences on the topic of trauma. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to bring you back in. To talk about this further and to help point the listener in a positive direction that may be feeling, they may be dealing with trauma and are feeling stuck. So I am really, really excited about this podcast. I know for me, I've become just absolutely fascinated with trauma. And so I think that this is going to be um very beneficial not only for the listener but for me. I'm just going to I'm going to take notes. <laughs> so, we've been talking about betrayal and now trauma. Can you talk about maybe the difference between betrayal and trauma?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And as someone who, you know, myself I've personally gone through it, I understand that kind of like you get to a point where you start to realize when you understand it more, it really really is soothing. It can open up doors of um, direction, I think. So often we feel like we've been through something and it's so overwhelming and you don't know where to start. But by kind of uh, taking that proactive step, it's like the first step to take your power back after you go through a trauma because you just feel so powerless. It's such a a horrible, powerless feeling. And so I want to encourage the listener, like you're in the right place right now. And I'm just really excited to uh, be on this journey with you. Um, I would say that betrayal is more of what happens and trauma is the way that we describe how it impacts you. And so if you look from the lens of, you know, purist psychology, I would say like the, the diagnostic statistic manual of mental health, right? They would say that trauma is defined by these very specific symptoms, you know. And you start off with um, like a acute stress disorder, which then can kind of progress to post-traumatic stress disorder, which can also be expressed as like a very complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And there's all these words and definitions. But for me, as a person, as a human, as an individual, I found that sometimes that specific definition of do you meet this many criteria of this thing or that many criteria, it's not really the most helpful. Um, So I like to describe trauma more so along identifying how it impacts you. Um, The way that we respond to a traumatic experience typically is that it starts to shape our reality. It shapes our mood. It shapes our interactions with other people. Oftentimes, um, if there's some trauma, situations will happen and we ask ourselves, why did I react so strongly to that? It doesn't make sense to my logical mind,
0: right? Yeah. And
1: yeah, and there's some, something that feels very off about it logically. Um, but we can't always identify why. And I would say a lot of people have experienced trauma that they have not addressed because they think it doesn't qualify, you know, it's yeah. maybe even something a little bit smaller and you go and you discount it. Cause like, oh, this happens to everyone or, oh, I shouldn't be that upset about it. Things like that. Um, so I think the definition, as we look at the difference, it's like, if we kind of imagine every betrayal we go through has the potential to cause trauma, but it might not. There are times when all of us have been betrayed in small ways where we don't react with like a personality change or a change in our way of relating to people or a change of our sense of trust in the world or in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I just want to say, I mean, that's so good to know the difference, but I think that um, I think sometimes you can have maybe like a trauma footprint on your life and you don't even realize it and you're just kind of reacting from something you don't even realize is going on. And I felt like that was Mm. kind of my, my, that was my story last year was all of a sudden I had this realization that, oh my gosh the the hard situations that i walked through actually created a trauma footprint in my life mm-hmm. and i was just reacting out of that trauma i was functioning out of that trauma you know trying to do my best but yeah. not even realizing that wow there's this underlying thing here that needs to be you know taken care of and it was affecting um my mindset you know the way i was thinking the way i was um you know, dealing with different, you know, struggles or issues, I was functioning from that mindset of trauma. And I think for me, realizing that that's what was going on was like Mm -hmm. a huge, (laughs) it was huge for me to be like, wow, okay, so this is trauma. This is what trauma has done. So how can I fix that? And so um, it's, and I, you know, I, I started life coaching with you, which was so, so impactful for me. It was so what I needed to recognize the trauma, but to also, um, take steps forward, you know, to a healing plan. And so I, (laughs) so, um, I just recently learned because I've just been, like I said, I've been just really fascinated with trauma and the effects it has on your brain and your emotions, Mm -hmm. Um, that there are different types of trauma. I just thought, you know, it was trauma period, but there are so many different types. And I was just wondering um, for our listeners, if you could touch a little bit on the different types of trauma.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like what you were saying before is, is kind of tied together like that, that sense of thinking like this is just who I am or this sense of thinking, why am I reacting like this? And you don't even realize you changed your personality or your expectation of people or expectation of certain people. It like yeah. almost feels like you do whatever it takes to survive. And then you look back and you're like, when did I change? Like, how did I become like this? You know, yeah, but it's something exactly. Hard to it. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Which is why I think this question is so important. Um, You know, what's really interesting is I think that the more that I look into it, the more I realize that the types of trauma are so personal because what I Mm. see as traumatic, I think our culture throws around the world. (laughs) I think our culture throws around the word in a really unfortunate way, Yeah, which is like Oh my gosh, I didn't get my latte. I'm so traumatized. And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> right. Especially in LA where I live, I'm like, that's not trauma, but <laughs> that's not mm-hmm. going to be changing your personality. Like maybe it will if it's coffee, you know, but uh, <laughs> right, once you get right. your latte, you'll go back to normal, you know. Sure. Um, but um, so for for some people it's like, you know, if they've been through a car crash and someone slams on the brake, they might have a terrible day. It might ruin their day. It might be so scary and so overwhelming to be in a car that the brakes slammed on. Cause it reminds them even subconsciously of the car accident they were in. That was really bad. Other people, the car slams on the brakes, they go on about their day. They don't even notice it. They can't even remember it. You know, the other person's like, right. can't sleep right. at night because that was so frightening. I thought I was getting in another car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends on our history, but there is relational trauma Right. So that's kind of, um, what your podcast focuses on a lot of relational, uh, trauma that can happen when, um, there's an expectation that's not met and it, it produces kind of a sense of loss or, um, again, through a betrayal, but there's also, you know, bullying is, is a form of trauma, any violence you experience or witness even the pandemic, some of the results of, of the pandemic that we've been going through can lead yeah. to a trauma response. Um, so there's all kinds of, you can have trauma because of a medical condition or medical treatment. You can have trauma um, because of a shocking event you've experienced, even vicarious trauma, which means you hear about other people's trauma and that traumatizes you. Wow. So that's a huge um, thing that Uh, People who are in the medical field and the police force and social work, they hear so much trauma all the time, or even like 911 you hear of the trauma and it is so impactful that now you don't want to fly on a plane, even though you weren't even connected to experiencing that in the moment. Systemic discrimination of any kind, as well as what I really, you know, I hope the listener, if nothing else, kind of takes away from this is that we can experience a sense of trauma if we abandon ourselves. And if we aren't in a trusting relationship with ourselves, we can actually create situations where we perpetuate those experiences and we feel uh, very lost and very alone and very. Um, out of control in our own life because we, we have in some ways partitioned off parts of ourself that we won't accept or don't like, and we are really mean to ourselves um, mm-hmm. for having that and really emotionally abusive to ourselves in that right. process. Yeah.
0: And um, just kind of expounding on that a little bit, I feel like that was kind of what was happening with me was I was just I was so upset that I just couldn't you know get over it you know in air quotes oh, like why I can't know. I just get over this and I didn't realize that I I actually couldn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. exactly. I, I
0: literally could not and um I think I was able to once I realized okay wow you know trauma has really um just played a big role in um, just how I was doing everyday life that it, it was just so strange how it just it got its way into just you know how I would act how it how I would react how I would respond and seeing that it just kind of had its octopus arms in all these different areas oh, yeah. I, I literally couldn't um, you know get over it so to speak And so once I was able to identify, wow, okay, yeah, this was a hard thing. And yeah, this, this really, you know, did some rewiring on my brain. And Mm -hmm. when I went there with you, I felt like I was able to extend myself a lot of grace. I feel like that's one thing you're so big at Mm -hmm. is just, and so good at is just, um, you know, inviting people, you know, it's okay if you mess up, it's okay if you make a mistake, you know, just get back up and becoming the best version of yourself. And when I started life coaching with you, I was able to just extend myself so much grace where I was holding back because Mm -hmm. I couldn't get over it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like I said, you know, at the beginning of 2021 was when I began to realize Some of my own trauma was playing out in my emotions and even in my mindset. So how does trauma have an effect on your neurology and your physical
1: body? What would you say? All right. So this topic I love in all areas of psychology, even when I was practicing as a therapist, um, I feel like looking at the neurobiology really provides us with information that brings freedom. Um, The truth will set you free. And when we know that there's more going on behind the scenes, it's so much easier to stop shaming ourselves. And what we know from the research is when we can stop shaming ourselves, we expediate our healing journey exponentially. Mm -hmm. And so the shame really gets in the way. Um, So the neurobiology behind this is really two pieces that I'd love to share because I could talk about this all day. Believe me, I could have conversations. I could listen all day. um but i really wanted it to just kind of boil it down to two main takeaways um for the listener that can be kind of applied to life today so the first one is is your brain really wants to help you and a lot of times when we go through trauma we feel like our brain is fighting against us because we have some agenda but actually our brain knows a little bit better sometimes So our brain wants us to do everything possible to not get us in situations that'll be harmful for us. So most of us, we go through trauma and then we're like, why can't I stop thinking about it? Why can't I get over it? But realizing your brain is trying to give you information, help you and being patient with it. And reassuring yourself and kind of learning how to arrange your life to have boundaries that will help you to avoid that in practical ways is so much more powerful that learning things that can give you your power back instead of criticizing yourself for not being able to get over it or being stuck there, just recognizing and even pausing and saying, I'm thankful my brain wants to remind me to avoid situations that have been painful. That's so good. I really appreciate that. And also I want to live my life in a healthy way. So how Mm -hmm. can I reassure myself? What are some, what is a list of things even that I can write down to reassure myself when my brain starts saying it's happening, be aware you can't go to bed tonight because you got to do this or that or the other thing. So your brain has two biases that it will lean towards to do this in order to help protect you. One is a negativity bias, which means we pay much more attention. To negative things, then we do positive things for the ultimate goal of our survival and longevity. Um, right. If we didn't notice all the negative things, you know, like uh, we didn't pay attention to the fact that the stove burnt our fingers, we'd just continue doing it. So it's like, really remember that. Who cares what you had for lunch, you know? Right. That was- <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the second one is the confirmation bias, which is a scientifically proven. Uh, bias where we tend to form ideas and look for information that proves us right and ignore any information that might prove us wrong. And so this is where a lot of us get stuck because we're like, oh my gosh, everyone is like this. And if you actually paused, you're like, everyone is not like that. There's lots Mm -hmm. of examples of people who are not like that, but we assume the category we already created in our brain is true. And we only notice things that fall into that bucket And we don't notice all the things that fall outside. So that's the first kind of big way that neurobiology plays into how trauma affects us. The second thing is what I kind of call a depletion of oxytocin. And so we have four chemicals in our brain that cause us to feel at peace, happy, and content. And so when you look at the, the neuroscience, those things, most of us know of endorphins. That's one we have serotonin. Most of us have heard of dopamine. Um, but this particular one is oxytocin and oxytocin helps us to feel trusting towards people. It's the chemical known as like a bonding chemical. Mm -hmm. It's what like a mother experiences when she holds her baby really close. And it's something that we can, um, We get more oxytocin when we do things like cuddling, when we sing with people, when uh, we get a massage, when you share like words of affirmation with someone. Um, when you engage in like really um, empathic listening or empathic thoughts, when you pet your dog, like all of those things, Yeah. even when you eat food, you get an increase in oxytocin. That's why people often say, you know, they have meals together and, and they end up in a more trusting relationship, a more deep relationship with people. You bond over food. Well, I there's see. neuroscience behind that. Uh, it's actually proven. And so- What happens though, unfortunately, when our trust is betrayed is we withdraw from a lot of those things. We withdraw from physical touch, from words of affirmation, from time with friends, from, you know, sharing meals with the person, especially if it's someone who betrayed us, right? Right. And and so it kind of leaves what, what you described as like a footprint on our brain where our oxytocin levels are, are lowered significantly because of that, that experience. And then it's also equally uh, kind of a a self perpetuating cycle, because once we're Mm -hmm. in that state, our brain automatically tells us don't trust, don't trust, don't trust. And then we withdraw more, and we have even less oxytocin. And then we're like, yeah, don't trust even more. And so we find ourselves oftentimes becoming more and more and more suspicious. Um, It was really interesting. I read a study where um, some examiners and some scientists administered oxytocin to people and then had them play games, um, related to trusting their, uh, the other person in that game. And they found that those with high levels of oxytocin almost trusted to a fault where those with low levels of oxytocin didn't trust enough. So there's that happy medium where we want to be, where, um, our oxytocin levels actually are something we really have to pay attention to. And this isn't really talked about a lot of the time, but when you've gone through a betrayal and a um, uh, your, your trust is broken, there's neurobiological impact. And there are things that you can do to increase those levels. But if you're not able to do those things, or you don't have the people around you to help you, or you don't have people who listen to you empathically, and you don't have people who are affirming you those levels just continually decrease and a lot of people really end up getting stuck there.
0: Right? I know as I was listening to you um I was just thinking about how you know on my own journey um you know just walking through years and years and years of just high anxiety, high stress but then coming out of those Everything uh, was a level 10, you know, during those high stressful Ah. years, everything was level 10. But then when you come out of that season and you're walking through healing, I couldn't figure out how to not make everything a level 10, you know, (laughs) like every Ah. situation that would present itself, it was automatically a 10. And it's like, I couldn't figure out how to let my brain know that this is maybe a four or maybe a two not quite a 10. And it was like, like you said, my brain was trying to help me because it had walked through that really hard season where everything literally was a a 10. And so this has just been so helpful for me, I think, and just learning, relearning, you know, helping my brain not, you know, fall into that pattern of, okay, this is actually a two. Thank you for um, letting me know that, you know, um, from the past, this may have been a 10 for me, but this is actually a two in this season. And just having um, compassion, I think, for myself while I'm relearning all of this. <laughs> because I guess yeah. I feel like that's what it's been. It's been relearning, um, you know, my emotions again, relearning you know, my mindset, just (laughs) relearning a lot of different things. And so I feel like um, with trauma, that it's, you know, a progressive treatment, it usually involving a healing plan. It's usually not an overnight fix. Like you go see someone, and you're no. you're cured. Oh, I wish. If oh, I wish. wish. Oh my gosh. Yes. The same with weight loss. You know why isn't there something where you're like you exercise once and all the weight is left on the treadmill?
1: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we got to figure that one out,
0: right? So, <laughs> what would you say to someone who might be struggling um, with the process? of getting healed and not trying to rush things.
1: Yeah. I think there's such a pressure in our society to get over it. Kind of like you were saying at the beginning, like just, I'm just going to push through it. I'm just going to keep going. And that's a really good survival mechanism um, to help us get through those things. It's really important that we, you know, we have that sense of, okay um, yes, everything is horrible, but I'm going to push my way through it and I'm going to keep fighting and surviving. Um, but there comes a point at which we don't want to just survive and we're no longer in that traumatic situation and we're removed from it for a while where we actually realize that, you know, that mentality that was helping us that push through mentality might actually be hurting us. So the way that I see people often get stuck there is that you really have to have help in this process. And it, it could be, you know, listening to podcasts and educating yourself and talking to people you trust and working with a therapist. Any of those or all of those are so important. Um, but in my experience, people either kind of empathize with the wounded part of them and, and express that or empathize with the part that wants to move forward. Right. So there's kind of these two parts of all of us. When we go through something hard, there's part of us that's like, oh my gosh, that really, really devastated me. Like that hurts so deeply. And I am so wounded and my heart is so broken. And, and my, my entire existence, I feel like has crumbled and, and it is gone. Right. And If we just stay there, or if the people even who are trying to support us just keep us in that place and kind of push us in that direction, like, yeah, you're the victim, you've suffered, you poor thing, you're so, you know, you're hurting (laughs) exactly. We begin to develop that victim mentality, which ultimately doesn't lead to a fulfilling life. But if we're on the other side of it, and we say, I'm just going to power through, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And everyone around you kind of pushes you to be fine. Well, there's no space for that conversation between these two parts of you. And I would say the healing is really about that conversation taking place in a respectful way inside of you, kind of unifying these two perspectives and two voices to work together. Otherwise, that's why you see um, mood swings develop because Mm -hmm. you're going from one extreme to the other. And those two parts of you aren't communicating, but you're like, I was feeling like I was, you know. Pushing forward and I'm such a boss. And then all of a sudden someone did something and I feel like I'm I'm the biggest victim in the world. And I feel defensive and and powerless again. Um, but those sides will also try to express themselves through sometimes addictions, sometimes um just pure relational avoidance. Um and so both are necessary for us to thrive, right? Mm -hmm. And and that is, I think, the process of getting healed and the process of taking the time to fully understand what each of those is saying and kind of acting like a a mediator. I think for a lot of people, this might sound very strange, like there's two parts of you, but there really is in a lot of us, this, this pull between how do I respond and how do I act? And there's a, a tension where we kind of want to avoid one voice or the other voice and highlight one voice or the other voice, but both need to really be heard and have balance and have unity. And the danger is, is if we don't have that, we are likely to make our lives worse. We're likely to, um, continue in cycles of betrayal or abuse because we don't have all the information we need to move forward. And that's why when it's like, oh, I'm stuck, I'm stuck. I can't move forward in this. Why is that? It's probably because there's information that actually is needed that part of you is like, I can't let you fully be healed right now because you're not hearing me. You're not hearing this other side of the story. Um, right. Otherwise we just end up fragmented. And so Mm. having that conversation with yourself, where you learn to trust yourself, where you're like, okay, this is hard. I don't know why I'm reacting the way I am right now. I don't know why I feel this way, but let me start to be curious and wonder if there's something that that I haven't heard for myself. That I need to be reassured in. That I need to figure out a plan for. That I need to figure out some action steps. What's the fear, and mm-hmm. how can I begin to reshape how I think of that fear to a sense of self-control and and feeling empowered and feeling like, like I know what to do if something like this were to happen again.
0: Right. Oh my gosh, that's so good. So. I know for me, um, I kept feeling like something was wrong with me, Mm -hmm. you know, like, why Mm -hmm. can't I just get over this? And I would literally have people make that comment, you know, like, oh, well, so, so many years has passed, you know, why are you still struggling with this? And I would feel like something was wrong with me. And then I would try to force it, you know, like, okay, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get over this, Alicia, you're going to get over this. And then when I would have, you know, situation, um, a hard thing come up or a hard memory or a trigger, then, you know, I would spin out of control and hit level 10. And then I would just, you know, immediately stop sh- self-shaming myself. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I had someone tell me, you know, for each infidelity, it takes seven years to get over each one. And I oh, thought well, that's encouraging. <laughs> like, oh, Life okay. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: that's
0: literally. I was like, that's 28 years. Are you kidding? So wow. I'm gonna be <laughs> struggling oh. for. So I remember when I was told that I kind of adopted that, like, okay, for each one, it's gonna take seven years. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, I was like, No, like I can't do this. There's gotta be a better way. There has to be a better way. Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage anybody who might be, um, you know, struggling in your process of getting healed that don't quit when it gets hard. I was so tempted so many times, you know, in the process of counseling, in the process of life coaching, um, in the process of inner healing to stop when it would get painful and I think that's when it's the most important to push through that pain um, and just, you know, get to the other side of that. You know, let's say you're in the hospital. You, you wouldn't quit when the surgeon's halfway through, you know, operating on your leg. No, <laughs> yeah. you want him to finish what he's doing. And so I just want to encourage people to, um, to don't quit in the process, to not let, you know, whatever's coming up You know, sometimes I think it's okay. Yes, push pause, especially if it's too painful and you really can't deal with that. Maybe Mm -hmm. push pause for a little bit, but I would just encourage people to readdress it and not give up. So um, what would you say are some red flags that, you know, someone might need to seek out professional help for Mm -hmm. unresolved trauma? Like what would be some red flags like they need to probably get some help?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, kind of going back to the personality changes, that's a big one where a lot of times, you know, in the past, especially as a therapist, I'd work with someone and they said, I don't know what happened. I'm just not the same as I used to be. And they describe, you know, maybe symptoms of like depression or anxiety, and it felt very vague and, and oftentimes so often, not always, um, but often if we traced it back, to like, okay, when did it start? What was going on in your life when you first realized this? And when did you first start to feel this way? When did you first start to have those thoughts? Oftentimes there will be some kind of traumatic experience or um overwhelming experience where they're just not able to or aware they even need to process it, but it changes them and they don't know why. Um, So personality changes. If you find yourself isolating from people mm-hmm. or... Having anger towards groups of people, that's probably a, a sign that there's some unresolved trauma, you know, for example, if someone comes in and they're like, all men are of the devil, I'm like, that <laughs> probably didn't develop because, <laughs> right, because right. random, you know, you just felt that mm-hmm. and you thought it was true, you probably have some kind of experience. Um If you, uh, yeah, find yourself becoming more irritable or angry, that's a real sign that there's probably something to process because that irritability and anger, again, is a part of you that really wants to help you that you're saying no to like, no, I just need to push forward. And as you push forward, you're like, but I'm pissed (laughs) and and I don't know why. Right. that, That is because part of you is like, no, I won't let you move forward. And then that creates a tension and a frustration because you're feeling stuck. So again, um, a sign of like a fragmented sense of self where you're not fully united with yourself and trusting yourself. Um, and, and really, honestly, I would just say there are always upgrades in life that are available to us, no matter where we're at in our healing journey, you know, from the the trauma I've experienced, it was, I'm more than 15, 16 years removed. And yet there's still more for me, there's still extra layers. And that's not to be, you know, a burden of like, it'll never fully get there, but more so like, even when we get to the point of fully healed and fully, you know, healthy in our daily life and interactions, there is a higher levels of health. So if you're, um, if you've ever experienced trauma, and even if you don't think you have, or even if you haven't genuinely, there's still opportunity to get help to upgrade the way you relate to people, to upgrade some of the the thinking patterns you've developed that you don't even realize you've developed that are keeping you back from the best relationships and the best life and um, the best emotional and mental health possible. So I you know work with my own, you know I've had my own therapy for many, many years, my own coaching. and I always find it like it only brings an upgrade. So I oh, encourage yes. everyone. To get help.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. And as you were talking, um, it just reminded me of this scripture in Deuteronomy 30, um, in the message version one through five, it says, God will restore everything you lost. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places you were scattered, no matter how far away you end up. And I was just thinking how you were talking about fractures And how God, he so cares about all of our pieces that he'll pick them up no matter how far away we're scattered. And so I just love that. I love that scripture.
1: But um, what a promise. My goodness. He sure knows. It's like he knows how the brain works, right? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you.
0: Um, But this has been so good. And I just want to encourage you guys to please share this with someone that you know might be struggling with trauma. And Dr. Allie, I've loved our conversation and I know the listener has as well. So would you please let
1: our listeners know how they can find you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on again. I just love what you're doing and your heart behind it. And your the way that you're kind of delivering these podcasts, it's just incredible. So nice. um, it, in order to um, connect with me, you can go to radiantthoughts.com. And that's uh, the website for myself and my husband. Um, we write books as well. You can um, feel free to reach out through the contact form there or email me directly. My email is ally@radiantthoughts.com, at radiantthoughts.com. And I would love to hear from you. Even if it's just questions, please don't ever hesitate to use me as a resource. Um, that's my calling. It's what I'm here for. And, and I love it when people reach out even with random questions, or, um, if you need to find uh, connections to a therapist who is Christian, or if you want to, um, find out more about life coaching, anything like that, I'm more than happy to uh, share and support you. Well, that's awesome. So thank you so much for turning, for
0: tuning in. Um, thank you, Dr. Ali, for your time. I so enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to our next one. And as always guys until next time. We bless you.